0: Yo, what's going on guys? My name is Clay. Uh, Unfortunately, Gonzo is not here with us today. He had some uh, prior engagements, so you're stuck with me. You get a nice lovely picture of him, but you're stuck with me, so I hope you're not here for the cuteness because he's gone today. But this is The Watchers Podcast where we uh, break down Marvel films, we uh, give our comments, questions, concerns, maybe we would answer a couple of your questions. Uh, You know, the usual, I'm sure you guys have heard it enough at this point. Um, And as you can tell by the picture on your screen, what we're working with, we are covering Eternals. Pretty exciting stuff. So there's a couple things I want to uh, talk about before we actually get into the breakdown. Um, So let's just get right into it. Uh, I guess I should say also, I hope you guys are having a wonderful Friday. This is when it's being streamed and recorded and uh, uploaded Monday. So I hope you guys have a Rockstar Monday. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, Did you know... That the director of the Eternals, Chloe Zhao, I'm not, I'm sure I'm butchering that. Uh, she was actually in the running to be the director for Black Widow, but she wasn't chosen. Uh, but they, Marvel and Kevin, knew that she was a phenomenal director. She won a, an Oscar or an, uh, one of those big awards uh, for her previous movie. They knew that they were gonna use her for something. They just didn't know what at the time. A um, couple other things. Uh, Angelina Jolie was actually gonna be Cersei in the beginning. Uh, but ended up after a little bit more a little bit more time and everything like that They end up finding out that, Thena was more her fit um, Gemma Chan was ended up landing the lead role of Cersei, which is interesting because uh, she was also in Captain Marvel as Minerva I'm sure I'm butchering that as well However, Minerva dies in that film and reportedly Kevin Feige told Chan that they wanted to find a better role for her they're actually having trouble casting Cersei, so Chane auditioned late and ended up winning the role. So that explains why Angelina Jolie became Thena and everything like that. Uh, a couple other things before we get into the breakdown. Uh, another one is Icarus. Icarus was actually based on the Zack Snyder Man of Steel. Because when Chloe, the director, left the theater after watching Man of Steel, she said that it, Man of Steel had left a very strong impression on her. thought that was kind of a cool little tidbit, and you definitely notice that throughout the film. Just uh, the way that they portray him and everything like that. The way he holds himself as well. I'm sure that they uh, they talked to him about that, that guys. Um, Eternals was also rewritten, um, which I'm sure is probably another reason why Jolie was recasted. Um, Zhao said the original ending was actually much darker, stating that the Eternals had their minds erased and was put back on the ship to head to a new planet. So that would be a completely different ending than what we actually got in this film, which we will talk about as uh, the breakdown goes on, and unfortunately, this is the lowest-rated film at its time, getting a forty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, fifty-three percent on Metacritic, and a B on Cinema Score. I believe the lowest-rated, uh, lowest-rated Cinema Score before that was an A minus, and I'm not sure exactly which films they were. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's get into it. Let's get into the breakdown. So the first thing we're introduced with is uh, they land. They they come to Earth. At five thousand BC, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, you get to meet some some tribal members, and you also get to meet deviants right then and there. The deviants are coming out of the water. They're they're hunting the tribe people. Um, and uh, in the opening scene, this uh, deviant comes in, snatches this dude's head up, and then the Eternals pull up, and Icarus uses his light light vision or laser vision, just starts beating the crap out of one. And yeah, I mean it's a group effort, you know. We have uh, Ajax, Icarus, Circe, Sprite, Fastos, Athena, Druig, Gilgamesh, Kingo, and Mercury. Mar- Mar- I don't know. I'm so sorry. That's a speedy one. Um, but yeah, so you start off, and uh, you're starting off at 5000 BC. They defeat the Deviants, and then Circe ends up giving one of the tribal members a, a blade that she creates. Uh, one of her powers is being able to, uh, like, manipulation of matter, I guess you could say. Um she she gives this uh, tribe member a, a blade. It's a beautiful gold golden emerald looking br- blade. Gives it to the people, and then it transitions into present time, uh, where you see the the blade that she gave the people in 5000 BC. She ends up uh it's on it's on like a big screen in like a like in, in a capital. It's not New York Times, but or New York City. Sorry, but uh, she takes a picture of it and she ends up running late for school, which because she's a teacher. I thought that was kind of cool um but yeah as as the time goes on they also have a a a mega earthquake so she goes into class and you meet uh you meet Cersei's love interest I guess you could say for the film and uh he's kind of biding time and then afterward she gets there and uh, they have a massive earthquake and something I thought was kind of cool a lot of uh, us you know superheroes especially in the MCU the way that they portray themselves outside of like Sorry, the the few that are open about everything, usually they keep their powers pretty hidden. Uh, they they try to blend in as well as they can, and it seems like they they're trying to do that as well. But uh, in this earthquake, there's a massive fossil that's gonna collapse onto this little girl during this earthquake, and she immediately just touches the fossil, and it turns into like dust or sand. So I don't know if that's uh, like they're just pretty open to using their powers when needed or if she you know just felt really bad for the child and wanted to help out but i thought that was a cool touch you know saving the kid even if it means that you're uh, gonna blow your cover um i'll reference this a little bit a little bit more throughout the breakdown Uh, the the name of their craft is the domo so i'm gonna from now on just use the word domo whenever i'm describing that um and as the movie goes on um you start meeting more of the more of the Eternals, which I, I listed off earlier, and they're in Babylon, and they're growing Babylon and trying to get as many people secure and safe as possible as they defeat the deviants, uh, which I thought that was that was a that was pretty neat. And so as they're doing that. Um, you know they're getting people behind the walls. You you meet Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is a is a tank. I mean, one of my favorite characters, especially as a, as an offensive character. He's a stud. Um, and I mean they all work really well together. It seems like um, as I was watching this film, I've watched this film you know handful of times. Uh, it definitely seems like there's like offensive Eternals and then there's defensive Eternals, and they really they mesh really well together. I think that's really cool. Something like that. Um, I'm not going to say that the Avengers have trouble with, but the cohesion that this group has is, bar none, some of the best that you'll see. Um, and a- as they're in Babylon, um, Ajax, which is the leader, she has this uh, this orb, and it's uh, this orb allows her to talk to Arisham? 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 The Celestial. Um, and they're Eternals, and they, they came here from Ar- Arisham, Arsham, I don't know, I'm gonna say Arsham. I'm sure I'm getting it wrong, you'd think I'd know it, I watched the movie last night, um, but she allows, that allows her to talk to him, the Celestial, and give him, like, updates on what's going on, and she's like, you know, we're, we're doing great, we're, we're keeping people safe, we're getting rid of the deviants and everything along those lines, and he was like, good, you know, happy to hear it, and as they go on, um, a war breaks out and uh the celestial arsham tells 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 the eternals like hey do not interfere with their own qualms like that's not that is not your job your job is to defeat the deviants and make sure that there are no more deviants around like that is your whole purpose here is to make sure that there's no deviants don't don't uh interfere with wars don't interfere with conflict let them figure that out on their own and uh, I thought that was a little bit weird, but you know, obviously it's for the the greater good, so to speak. So that's what they do. Um, but as Babylon starts to collapse, um, a war breaks out, and there's there's fire, there's guns, there's things like that. And uh, what ends up ha- as as that's happening, Athena, her eyes go white, and it's it's really cool. Actually, it's a beautiful like cgi i guess or maybe contacts i'm not totally sure but um and she just starts she starts turning on her own eternals she starts attacking them um and they don't um, immediately they don't know what's going on um uh, a a lot of people get injured i know makarai uh i'm so sorry the speedy the speedster she gets stabbed in the gut um ajax gets stabbed to the hand i believe fastos also gets hurt and so does cersei Gilgamesh ends up hitting her with a a mean mean, I, I mean I guess threw her down on the ground, hit her with something hard. I don't really know. knocks her out, um, and they all kind of they go into this uh, room almost almost like ruin sort of area, and she's laying down on the table and she wakes up and she's like, what happened? And uh, Ajax, which is the leader of the Eternals at this time, tells her, Athena, like you attacked us, and she, Athena. Athena, sorry, says, um, like, I don't remember, and I, you know, I I want to remember, and I'm sorry, and this is where we end up meeting, or finding out about Mad Weary, and Mad Weary is, uh, when the mind collapses under all the memories the person has collected, obvious, (coughs) obviously, as being an eternal, you live forever, you know, I mean, they started in 5000 BC, that's a lot of memories to hold and hold for years upon years, um, so her mind is starting to collapse on itself and, uh, she, she's almost like possessed or almost like taken over. And it's like a new person when that happens, she, she can't control it. She can't, she can fight it as best she can, but it usually ends up taking the better of her. Um, and so from that point on, that's when they decide like Ajax says like our, our job is good. There's no more deviants. I want you guys to go out and find purpose for your own. Like at this, at before this time, their purpose was serving Arsham, the Celestial, and defeating deviants. And she was like, "I want you to uh, go ahead and and live your own lives, and uh, you know find purpose by yourself, and see what you guys can find." And I'm looking forward to when we depart this planet. I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' story and finding out what you guys ended up doing which I think is pretty beautiful. And at the same time, they're having the conversation of what are we supposed to do with Athena? Because obviously she's rogue, she can't, she's not dependable. I don't want to say that, but obviously there's there's some issues with her. So they don't really know what to do exactly. So um, Gilgamesh says, uh, well, first, let me say, Icarus says it's mad weary. And Ajax says the only thing we can do is erase your memory. There's, there's nothing that you can do for it besides just erase your memory and uh, she was she she was like I don't I don't want that I want to remember I want to remember us I want to remember my life you know I don't I don't really know what to do and Gilgamesh says let me take her like I'll take care of her I, I can uh, you know I can handle this and uh, like I said earlier Gilgamesh is a tank like I mean he's a brute force just strength, as a whole. Athena is the goddess of war, so I mean, those are two titans kind of going at it, but Gilgamesh seems to be able to handle his own. So, um they all kind of go their own ways and this is when, you know, Circe ends up going and becoming a teacher and that's that's where the story kind of starts at first is where she is a teacher. Um and then they, uh, they have this massive earthquake, and then they end up having a, a battle with a deviant as they're walking home from a pub. It would be Cersei, Sprite, and Cersei's love interest, which I, I'm going to reference him as uh, the Black Knight, which we'll kind of get more into that. That was an end credit scene. Um, but yeah, so as they're walking down this, this London road, um, they find a deviant in the water. And immediately they're like, "Oh my God, this is not good. We we eradicated them, you know, years, centuries ago. What's going on?" Um, and so they uh, they start having this battle, but Cersei is not so much offensive. She, I mean, she can manipulate matter, but so what she does at first is the the deviant comes up and she touches the ground, turns the ground into sand, where the deviant sinks in, and then she turns it back to stone. So kind of sticking like making him stuck into the concrete. And uh, they end up running because they're like, we don't know what to do. We want to make sure that – I believe his name is Ben, but like I said, the Black Knight. um, They wanted to uh, get him to safety and make sure that they were safe. And as they're running up, he gets himself out, and I don't know why, but instead of running away from the population, they end up running toward. um, And they're, they're fighting him. And Sprite ends up, she's, she's more of an illusion character. Uh, she ends up, like, creating hundreds, at least a hundred uh, duplicates of Cersei and Sprite. And they all start walking around, confusing the Deviant, not knowing which one is which. And then out of nowhere, Icarus pulls up, tackles the dude, or tackles the Deviant, I should say. It's not a dude. Um, and hits it with a light laser vision, beating it up doing what needs to be done and as it stops it uh it heals itself and they all look at each other and they're like did it just heal itself like they weren't able to do that before and it also like it like snarls but it it's almost like it's trying to speak um and then it ends up running away and Icarus is now a part of the group they go back they're like hey we need to get the others because this is this is an issue obviously so they uh, get, they end up finding more people or more of the Eternals. They start with Kingo, and Kingo uh, ends up uh, becoming a big Bollywood star, which I, I thought was pretty cool. And he's doing, uh, as they're walking into the, I don't even know what you would call that, a set, I guess. Yeah, a set. Um, he's recording. Uh, he's dressed up in like Icarus's suit, but not. It's not his suit. It's obviously like made. For him and he's creating a, a, a live action movie for the life of Icarus um, and one of the things is I mean being an eternal people are going to kind of grow suspicious of you um, because you don't age you know what I mean you don't show age you don't age you just kind of stay the same and so he kind of he created a uh, like a fake family of uh, a fake family so he could stay in one place and um, and create these movies and uh, you see that when they're flying to find thena and gilgamesh is uh, He has like little posters on the wall, and he says that's my great-grandfather. That's my great-grandfather That's my grandfather. That's my father And these are both me and they're their movie posters, and so that was kind of cool I liked how they uh, they threw that in there um, And honestly, I mean the, the the scene that we saw from that movie looked great I would probably end up watching that Bollywood film if I'm being honest um and so they end up going i don't it, it's not exactly uh, it's not exactly uh stated where Gilgamesh and, the- uh, and Thena are sorry i always want to say Athena but it's just Thena drop the a um so they uh they go to this area and they they uh, knock on the door and it's uh Gilgamesh at first and he's like hey guys how are you and He goes and grabs a, a a pie out of a cast iron out of this like uh, brick and mortar sort of uh, like pizza oven. He's like, Do you guys want to pe- like you guys want to try my pie?" And that's when uh, the other Eternals tell, "Oh, I should say this as well." Um, first, after they uh, Icarus, Sprite, and Cersei, after they fight that Deviant, they're like, "We have to go find Ajax. We we have to let her know." They go to Ajax's house, and Ajax is dead, and she's dead in the backyard, and they assume it's a deviant, obviously, because uh, they just fought a deviant, and Cersei and Sprite could barely hold their own, imagine, with what one person can do. Um, And so, they're like, okay, we have to go tell the others, like, this is a a situation. So, they uh, they end up going and finding Thena and Gilgamesh, and that's when... They tell Gilgamesh, Ajax is dead. And uh, he, he holds the pie down. Like he kind of like droops his hands and his shoulders. And the top of the pie falls off. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and he kind of just sits down and just from the sheer strength of him, he just breaks the cast iron and bends it. Which I don't know if you guys have ever lifted up a cast iron. Those things are tough. Pretty sure I've used those to like put in nails into wood before. Those things are not to be played with. Um... And he he's devastated, obviously, because that it's one of his own, you know, and that's uh, that's their leader, obviously, and that's uh, someone that they really care a lot about, and um, they end up going to Athena, and Athena is drawing, uh, like a, uh, God, like a graphite sort of um, picture of of Arsham, the 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 celestial she's also talking about different planets that she thinks she's been to and that she's died on and that the planets have exploded and they're not totally sure what's going on. And they walk up to Athena and at first, Athena, Athena's mad weary kind of kicks in and Sprite brings this illusion where she, she's back in the Domo and they're talking about like, Athena, like, remember who you are. You're the goddess of war. We're your friends. Just remember who you are. And she kind of snaps out of it. And, You know, they they end up telling her the news as well. And they end up, you know, since it's all Kingo, Gilgamesh, Thina, Sprite, Cersei, Icarus. I don't think I've said that yet. And Kingo also has his uh, valet with him. And they all end up having dinner together trying to come up with a plan of what to do. And Cersei ends up going outside to try to talk with the Celestial because once Ajax died, uh, Cersei got the orb. So she was able to talk to the Celestial. And immediately, right when she got it, she talked to the Celestial, but it was brief. No questions were answered. No questions were even asked. Um, And then she goes outside. She sits down, and she tries to talk to Irisham, And she finally does, and she figures out what their whole purpose is on Earth. And it was to—it's to gain the population— uh, up to a certain amount and defeat the Deviants because the Deviants were created to... Originally, the Deviants were there to kill the Apex Predators that were killing the people, but then the Deviants end up going rogue um, and start killing humans, and that's obviously not what's needed. So he then created the Eternals to fight the Deviants. So they find out that Arsham created the Deviants finds out that they're just created for one purpose and one purpose only, which is to kill the Deviants. And once the the population gets high enough, the energy within it um, creates a... Well, Arisham plants celestial seeds almost inside the core of planets. And once the planet becomes populated enough... Uh, the emergence happens where another celestial is born but it needs a lot of energy for that to happen so it needs to hit a certain threshold for that to happen um so kind of you know it makes you think like was Thanos did Thanos know about the celestials did Thanos know about that aspect and if so was Thanos that bad of a guy because yeah he's wiping out half the population overall but he's also not allowing the emergence to happen on these planets because once he wipes out half of the population, there's not enough energy. So I thought that was uh it's definitely food for thought there. It's definitely something that my mind wandered to and, you know, I I, I definitely thought about for a while during this movie. Um and as so after that she comes inside with everybody else eating dinner and she tells everybody what what she found out and obviously this is super shocking news because they thought that the deviants were just uh, like a almost like an alien species that was there to hunt um and that's not good and then they also reference when they fought the deviant in London, Cersei and Sprite and then Icarus they uh they realized that the deviant wasn't going for c- civilians it was going only for the Eternals which is usually the deviants are going af- after civilians cuz that's easy prey so i thought that was a uh, I thought that was kind of cool um and as they're sitting there eating dinner they actually reference the avengers which is kind of cool because this is a, this is obviously after endgame and um kingo uh, during this conversation kingo ends up saying that thor used to follow him around but now won't uh return his calls because he's a hot avengers i thought that was kind of funny and then also they talk about um you know who's going to lead the Avengers now that Tony's gone, and Icarus was like, "Well, like I could do it. I think I'm pretty good at that." And then uh, I'm not sure which one said it. It might have been Gilgamesh, but uh, someone says, uh, "How are you gonna? How are you gonna lead the Avengers when Ajax didn't even uh, choose you to lead us?" You know, so a little jab right there, but it seems like it's all in good fun. So they end up finding out that, you know, the Celestial is born, which then creates more galaxies, which then creates planets, which then creates more Celestials, which then creates more galaxies. So it's like a, it's a never ending cycle, right? You take away and then you, you give, you give birth sort of, sort of aspect. And uh, I also thought when, when that was talked about in this movie, it made me think of uh, Kang because Which eats with each celestial creating another universe. That's another universe in which Kang is there, if that makes sense, or it's another universe which within Kang can travel to because he's multiversal. So I thought that was kind of cool. Seems like you know the universe is ever expanding, which is giving him more and more places to go and conquer and take over. So I thought that was another good shout. Kind of something that I hope intertwines again i i really like this movie because they brought in celestials i was really hoping that that was going to be the main focus of after the infinity saga i really wish it was the first but thanos obviously killed it we all have our own thoughts on him, but they're obviously super high i mean thanos is a stud but i mean having galactus i mean he's the ultimate threat so and I mean, Celestials are just so cool, in my opinion. I mean, just it's an alien being, far, far bigger and more powerful than than anybody can imagine. You know, and I don't know. I just I feel like that's a little bit more in, enticing and intriguing for me personally than than Kang being the villain, in which you know he's multiversal in the aspect he can go between universes, and he just conquers. But you know, hopefully, it'll, it, I'm sure it'll tie all in. Um, and we'll probably end up getting a teaser for Celestials, which will probably end up coming in later on in the phases. You know, I mean, we're in phase five right now. So maybe phase seven, we see them. I don't know. I'm excited. Um, so they, uh, they're they like, what's the plan? We we have to stop the emergence. We can't allow the people of Earth to die for this. This isn't fair. And, you know, they, they've all... St- after going their separate ways they've all you know grown a life and they've they've grown to love these people so they don't want the world to to blow up they don't want everybody there to die so they they are trying to hack a plan to figure out how to stop them i guess whether that's killing a celestial putting the celestial to sleep and give buying them more time where they can um you know, move all the people of Earth to a new planet, um, and then get a new—you know—have have that Earth blow up, but then have a new home for all the humans. Um, and in that conversation with Cersei and Arsham, they they uh, they realize that you know, like I said earlier, that they're, they're not, they they're not—they weren't born; they were simply made by Arsham and the and the World Forge to protect the seed pretty much protect the celestial seed so as they're going through it they she she's asking questions like why don't i remember any of this and they realize that their memories are simply reset after each emergence but arisham keeps them which maybe it's a fetish i don't know that's a little bit weird he says he uses them to study the deviants but that's kind of weird because like the like, he created the Deviants, so, like, why wouldn't he know everything about them? But I guess, you know, obviously they grew, they evolved. Um, yeah. So, as the movie goes on, um, they end up going to Druig next. And Druig is, uh, he left after uh, after Babylon, and he was very upset with the fact that he wasn't able to intervene during war and conflict because he's able to, I guess, control minds is, is, I guess, the best way to describe it uh, and make them do what he feels is necessary. And so he is in this like almost like a commune uh, sort of area and he's controlling, it's almost like Westview from a, uh, WandaVision where he's, he's taking control of, uh, of a small population and they're all just kind of working to better the area and better themselves. It's pretty cool, and so they they, they all go there. Uh, Gilgamesh, Thena, Icarus, Sprite, Cersei, and Kingo. And they go there to meet up with him, and uh, they pretty much break down everything that they know. You know, deviants were made by Arsham. They're made by Arsham. There's an emergence coming, which is going to kill everybody on the Earth, and they want to stop it. Um, but they don't really know how yet. And their immediately th- their immediate thought was that well maybe Druid can put it to sleep. So they end up they go there, they talk about they talk to him about it, and he he ends up stating like something along the lines of like, You've given me a lot of bad news in one go <laughs> which I don't know. I, I, I always like those little phrases and quips like that. I, I just I just think that was funny. Um because, I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot of shitty news. You know what I mean? Like, that is not ideal for anybody. So, um, you know, like, you know, can you, can you help? Is there anything we can do? And while they're having this conversation, they end up getting, like, kind of uh, ambushed by these deviants. And they, uh, they start getting attacked, and they're all kind of spread out. Gilgamesh and Thena went on a walk and uh everybody else is kind of back at base camp and immediately icarus gets picked up by a flying deviant so he's kind of out of the picture he's flying now trying to defeat this deviant there's another deviant that's kind of surrounding the main commune sort of so to speak so like you know where sprite uh geez sprite druid congo kingo sorry um cersei are and then and then obviously everybody that Druid is mind controlling, and then Thena and Gilgamesh are out in the woods, and they start getting attacked, and then Gilgamesh and Thena also start getting attacked. Um, Icarus ends up not like defeating that deviant, but is able to get away from it. Lands with Gilgamesh and and uh, Thena, and they they're talking. He's like, "Hey, we gotta go. We're getting an, we're we're under attack." And then they start getting attacked in the woods. And at the same time, Thena, Thena's mad weary kind of kicks in and um, Icarus was like, poor timing. this is not ideal. So he's not trying to hurt her, obviously because I mean that's that's uh, that's his fellow comrade. I mean, that's someone that he's been battling with and enjoying the time with for a long time. So they're doing that whole thing. Icarus is trying to calm down Thena and get her snap back into reality. Gilgamesh is fighting off what he can, and then they end up swapping places because Gilgamesh obviously has a much better relationship with Thena because they spent so much time together. He kinda has sort of like how uh, uh, Black Widow and Hulk do, where you know, she says, you know, the sun's getting real low. He, he's similar in that aspect where he's like, you know, give me your hand, you're okay, you're Thena. everything's gonna be okay. And she, she sort of snaps out of it, and she, they're behind a tree, and she, he, uh, Icarus is like, Gilgamesh, like, a little help. And he looks at her, and she he was like, just just stay here. And she was like, uh, okay, and he, he was like, say it. She says, stay here. And then he goes and starts helping Icarus fight this deviant. But these deviants are not like what they used to be. They're much bigger, they're much stronger, they they seem to have, like, new abilities, Um, something that they, they never had to deal with back in the day, you know, 5,000 BC, 1782 AC kind of thing. So, you know, they're doing what they can to destroy these deviants and Gilgamesh ends up getting pierced a couple times in the chest. And then they, um, Icarus looks at, or before Gilgamesh gets stabbed, Icarus says, i'm gonna go help the others and he says that's fine i got this and he's holding his own for quite a while icarus goes back to to help cersei and and kingo and all them and gilgamesh ends up getting stabbed in the chest and you you realize that this deviant is uh is taking his power um which is terrifying I mean that's never what you want from your enemy is to take your power and then have your enemy become even stronger obviously. So that was pretty scary. And obviously Thena is devastated because that's I mean that's like her best friend, you know. So that that was that was pretty emotional in that aspect and but there really wasn't any time to dwell on it because there's still obviously a battle in the commune with everybody else. And Icarus is doing what he can. He ends up uh, he ends up fighting this one, and I would say Icarus is like ma- not main ability, but his most offensive ability is his laser vision. But this uh, this deviant like takes his hand and puts his face in the dirt, where he's not able to use that to hurt him. Um, but they end up, uh, cersei turns a, a tree, a, part, a portion of the tree into water, and then it collapses and then she turns the rest of it into like almost metal. It looks metal, it might be stone. And then collapses it on that deviant. Icarus gets out and then they're running away. Kingo is uh he has like it, it's it's uh, it's a little bit silly in my opinion, but he's got like guns and he's he holds them like this. and He's like pew, 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 pew. Um, and then he almost has like a Kami Kami ha where he's like pew. I don't know. I, I think that was a... I felt like they could have had a better power for him. But, you know, whatever. It worked out. It was fun. Um, and they, they're they battling as much as they can, but there's not much that they can do. Kingo ends up uh, like almost sliding underneath one and shooting one in the head and kills that one. But there's a few more there. And then Cersei turns the tree into stone or, or metal. Uh, collapses on another Deviant. They all kind of start running away, but Cersei is, like, smacked into water, like, this small pool that's in this commune, and the Deviant jumps in after after her to, obviously, eat her and kill her, take her power. But she, like, touches its head, and it turns into a tree, um, and in that process kills it, which was crazy. She's never been able to do that before. Um, And Icarus immediately dives in and asks, are you okay? Um, You know, I was worried about you as they did have a relationship earlier in in their lifespan. But we don't really see too much of that. We see them get married. We see him flirting with her. But we actually have our first sex scene in, in Marvel with that. But outside of that, you know, for the majority of the movie, they're split up. Um, But he still, you know, he still loves her, and he still wants to make sure that she's okay. So he immediately dives in, and Cersei, are you okay? She's like, yeah. And uh, Druig is using his uh, mind control, I guess, to use all of these other humans to shoot these deviants with, like, hunting rifles and shotguns, which is just not doing anything. What are we doing? That is not, like, like, what are we doing? Like, we needed a superhero. To, to kill these these two two threes and these twelve gauge slugs aren't gonna do shit. And so uh, you know, they're like, hey, you have to let them go. Please, like, let them go. And so finally he breaks and he stops the mind control and everyone was like, Druid what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, run to the river, seek safety. Um and, you know, they end up destroying these deviants. Um, but as we find out in that battle that we end up know him as, as Crow, Crew, I don't really know, K R O. I'm gonna call him the main deviant. We realize that he's absorbing these these powers from the Eternals. And he ends up saying something along the lines of like, I'm coming back for you. I I'm I i want to like I'm gonna kill you all. And so they don't really know what to do at that aspect so you know they they go and try to get as many people as they can to help out and uh and then we find out that uh finding fastos which is a a man that can build whatever i don't really understand his power too much but i will say it's very very cool uh probably one of the more underutilized eternals that you'll find in this movie which is almost a little bit of a shame. Um, I would like to see him explored a little bit more, but it does say the Eternals will will return, so I'm sure we'll get you know some more scenes with him, which I'm excited for. And they end up finding him, uh, and recruiting him, and he, Fastos already is aware of the emergence and w- isn't a fan, and I thought that was a, you know, instead of telling everybody, he just kind of went and did his own thing and pretty much said like I'm never going to use my powers again. I'm just going to enjoy the life I have with the family that I've created, that I have, and just enjoy what's left, being a human. Um, And they pretty much say, like, well, we need you to stop this. We have a plan, but we need you. And finally he breaks down. He's like, yeah, okay, I'm down. Um, They all go to the Domo, the spacecraft, and he starts creating something to stop the Celestial from emerging, Tiamat. And in this process, you'll notice, like, there's subtle cues throughout the entire movie that Icarus is not too much of a fan of stopping the emergence. But everyone else seems to be okay with it. And uh, they go to the Domo. He's starting to create what's called the mind, And what that is is uh, they—or, they, sorry, the Eternals— are powered by cosmic energy, and so what this uni mind does is pretty much stop the the cosmic energy from being used and just to be stored, and then to have them all connected into one, and then have one person have an abundance of cosmic energy, which then could stop a celestial, whether that's putting him to sleep or killing him, we don't know yet. Um, but as time goes on, they're they're talking about whether it's worth it to do it or not and they are trying to figure out if they're all on the same page or whatever and then it kind of does a flashback to seven days ago where Ajax and Icarus are having a conversation and Ajax says you know I I have grown to love the people of this planet and I feel as though we need to stop the emergence and Icarus was not a fan of that because Icarus's faith is completely in Irisham and it it uh it scares him. He he knows what he needs to do. He knows his purpose, which is to serve Arsham and nothing more. So what he ends up doing and he's like, "Okay, well, before we do that, I need to show you something." And they end up going to Alaska, and this is where he finds the deviants. And he says that, you know, they were probably frozen in ice. Um You know, during a big ice age, but they're since uh, the icebergs are melting because of the emergence they have thought out. And she was like, oh, my God, we have to tell the others. And he was like, I, I forget the exact phrases here, but pretty much what happens is he pushes her off the mountain. And then the deviants end up absorbing her power. And then he comes in, snags her, plants her body, destroys a little bit of the backyard and so we end up finding out that Icarus is a shitty guy. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Like, there's no other way to explain it. He, I mean, he killed one of his own. He killed his leader. Not even just, like, a random one. He killed, like, their leader because she was going against what their, their purpose was. And he was not going to go against what his purpose was. So they end up finding that out. And they're obviously super distraught with that. And... They don't really know what to do with it and Icarus destroys the plan of the uni mind he like laser beams it and it kind of explodes but I, I understand what they were doing there obviously like he's putting his foot down and he's like I'm not gonna allow you guys to stop this this is supposed to happen and it's not right for us to stop it but at the same time like Fastos is just known for building things so like he could just like pick up the pieces he destroyed and like reuse them, so I don't really know what they were going for there, he ends up making the Unimind regardless, Um, and he tells Makari, I want to say it's Makari, he tells Makari, go find the point of emergence, and being the speedster, I personally think out of all of the movies I've watched that have had speedsters in them, I think she has by far the coolest animation um, out of all of them, you know, Quicksilver and uh, The Flash and all that, Because a lot of them, whenever they show speed, everything else turns into slow-mo, and then they run normal. But for her, she runs really fast, and everything's kind of a blur, and it's like warping around her. So it's almost like you get to see it from her perspective versus uh, an, an outside perspective, if that makes sense. Which I feel like is done with a lot of the other speedsters. Um, And she finds the point of emergence, comes back, and that's when Icarus blows the thing up, and she's like, what's going on? And then he goes to destroy her, and then Kingo jumps in front of her, and she runs away. And Kingo realizes, like, I don't agree with this, but I'm not going to be an asshole. Like, I'm not going to stop you guys from trying. I'm just going to go. Which, I mean, if that's... That's the that's the adult way to do it, you know? If you guys don't agree upon something, you don't become an asshole and try to destroy the person. you just like, okay, I'm sorry. Well, like, I'm not going to help, because... This goes against what I believe, but, you know, by all means, let's uh, let's get into it. So, um, like I said, Phasos ends up creating the Uni Mind, which, you know, puts all their cosmic energy into one. And they end up having a plan, but obviously Icarus is not going to allow that to happen. Icarus is like, I'm not going to allow you to do that. I'm out of here. And this is where Sprite says, like, I want to come with you. And... You also notice this kind of throughout the, the movie as well. Sprite is like watching Icarus from afar at the commune and Kingo has a conversation with her about it. And you can tell that Sprite loves Icarus but Sprite is in a a child's body. Like I mean she's not able to, to have those relationships with with adults because she she looks like a kid. You know what I mean? And she ends up using her illusions earlier in the movie to go out to the bar and enjoy enjoy herself, like, as an adult, but she can't do anything. Because at the end of the day, it's an illusion, and she, what's real is herself, which is a kid, what well, looks to be a kid. Obviously, she's much older than me, but she's a kid. Um, So she ends up leaving with Icarus to go protect the the emergence. And as the emergence is happening, they're uh, – they're coming up with ideas, and they're like, okay, what's going to happen is we're going to put all the cosmic energy into Druig, and Druig is going to put it to sleep. And that's that should buy us time. And as they get there, they notice the Domo coming in, and Icarus is like, you know, protect the emergence at all costs. I'm going to go deal with that. So he blows a hole in the Domo, tries to clear the Domo, and tries to stop the people, and that's where Thena is waiting. And... Athena being the goddess of war, I mean, talk about a stud, man. Like, I mean, she she knows what she's doing around a weapon. And, you know, they have a little bit of a word exchange like, you know, uh, you know, you've never fought me before and she's like, "Well, you know, I've always wanted to." And they're going toe to toe and everything like that. Icarus sort of gets the best of her towards the end when he he's kind of got her by the throat and he's flying and kind of got her elevated, but then the uni mine starts. And All of her cosmic energy kind of flows up, and it goes towards, you know, Druig. And Druid starts to, you know, use that power to try to put the Celestial to sleep, Tiamat. But before he's able to do that, um, Icarus, I'm sorry, there's a lot of main characters in this movie. So if I'm struggling to say their names, that's why. There's a lot going on. Um, Icarus comes back, laser beams druid deep into the ground you know deep into a mountain and now like their main plan is now gone because that they needed druid to put it to sleep but they have one last idea which is to kill it with cersei because cersei was able to destroy that deviant something she's never been able to do before but maybe she will be able to do it again and so as they're trying to do that everybody um You know, Icarus flies back up, he lasers the Domo in half, and is like, nope, I'm not playing this game, you guys suck, bada bing, bada boom, I thought that was kind of cool. Destroys it, and then there's this big battle scene where uh, Icarus is trying to stop them from just stopping the emergence. The emergence starts happening, and they don't really know what to do, and Fastos ends up uh, locking him down and allowing the emergence trying their best to stop the emergence the uni mind restarts again and Percy starts to touch tiamat where it's turning he's she is turning tiamat into stone and then sprite out of nowhere stabs her um and she's and then she starts babbling on about how you know I, i've always been jealous of you and envious of you you've been able to live a normal life you've been able to enjoy your time here like I haven't been able to do any of that because of this body. Like, it's not fair for you to be able to enjoy everything, but I can't. And she's like, you know, she's stabbed. She doesn't really know what to do. Um, And then it goes back to the beach where they're having the battle. And Crow, Cryo, this deviant that's absorbing the powers, comes back, tries to take Thena's power. Thena ends up cutting his head into, like, four pieces. It was really cool. It was anticlimactic in the aspect of, like, that's been our main villain for most of the movie. But it reminded me a lot of, like, John Wick, where, like, don't give him the satisfaction, you know? You took something very important from me, so I'm going to take what's most important to you, which is your life. She goes back out and starts battling again. And then the Unimind restarts, and then she's able to kill the Celestial. She's touching it, turning the whole thing into stone. The hand starts coming out portions of his head is coming out of the Earth, but it's not fully emerged. The Earth is still intact, for the most part. Um, and, I mean, that's 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 pretty much it, you know? Cersei ends up destroying a Celestial, which I feel like puts her in the running, at minimum, the running, if not takes the cake for the strongest hero in the MCU. Because, I mean, outside of that, I mean, who do we got? We've got Thor. We've got... Uh, Tang, uh, and then, what, uh, the Scarlet Witch? Uh, I mean, I feel like Cersei with the Unimind probably bodies, but I think without the Unimind, there's just no shot, you know. But that's a pretty big feat, I thought that was really cool. And uh, Icarus doesn't really know what to do with himself because they stopped the emergence, so he does the only thing he feels like he can which is fly into the sun which is a little dramatic but you know that's probably the only way that an eternal can die really outside of by a deviant killing them so he flies into the sun and then they're all kind of gathered on the beach what what's left of the eternals is gathered on the beach and cersei ends up telling sprite like i i think i have enough cosmic energy still in my body i can turn you into human and give you all those things that you want You know, allow you to age, allow you to enjoy life, allow you to party, and you know, have relationships and have friendships and this, that, and the other. And Sprite ends up taking her up on that, so Cersei ends up transforming Sprite into just a normal everyday city, which uh, I thought that was kind of nice. And their plan afterward is like, okay, well, like now we know that there's other Eternals out there, we have to. Tell them the truth about Irishtom. So, they they don't really know what to do. They're like, okay, we're just gonna have to find him. And as as a that's all happening, Cersei ends up going back to the love her love interest, the Black Knight, and uh, they're trying to have a conversation. And he's about to tell her something pretty important, a family secret. But before he can get it out, Irishtom comes back and grabs the Eternals that are left on Earth and says, you have, sacrifices, you have sacrificed a celestial for this planet. I will let them go if your memories of them deem them worthy. If not, I will be back for judgment. And then creates like a crazy black hole and they like go away. But I thought that was like, it's a massive black hole, but it doesn't affect Earth. Whatever, you know, it's a movie. But, um, and then he's out so that was pretty wild. And then there's actually two end credit scenes for this film. One being the Royal Prince of Titan, Eros, um, aka Harry Styles, aka Thanos' brother, shows up onto the Domo, which has um, Marakai, the speedster, and, uh, oh geez, Thena, and I believe there's one more. Druig? Druig. And comes out and he shows them that he also has an orb the orb that Cersei had the one that Ajax had and he's like your friends are in trouble and I know where to find them." And I thought that was kind of cool I'm, I'm sure we're gonna see more of that I'm, I'm gonna be honest I'm a hater I don't like that casting I think they could have done better I think they also could have done it's weird that Thanos and Eros are brothers but they look nothing alike I mean he looks like a normal person if that makes sense Um, and obviously Thanos being a mad Titan, that's like 11 feet tall and purple. And then the second end credit scene, the love interest of Cersei, aka the Black Knight, um, is like pondering around a box, opens it up and you see the ebony blade, which, um, is a, is a, obviously like something that's been in the comics for a long time. It's a blade that allows the wielder to kill its foe, but the more foes that it kills, the blade becomes more bloodthirsty and only the purest of heart is able to control that. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with that. Um, I don't really know too much about him, so I think it's gonna be neat to see. Um, Yeah, so that, that was pretty much the breakdown of this film. Um, I'm sure there's a lot that I missed and a lot that I could have said, but I've been kind of rambling for almost an hour now, and there's another segment that I want to get to, and yeah, so, and also probably would have been better if, uh, you know, I had someone to throw ideas back and forth, but like I said, Gonzo had prior engagements, so, you know, you're stuck with me, like I said, and you're stuck with my breakdown, so, um, but yeah, now that we're done with the breakdown, let's get into some Marvel news, I got, I got some goodies for you. Um, first being Zoe, Salanda Gamora. I'm gonna just say Gamora. I know I'm butchering that, butchering that name aggressively. So Gamora said in an interview with Games Radar Plus that the next time that she, the time has come for her to step down and the next generation to come forward. And then she goes on to state that the only thing, the one thing that I would not want is for for Gamora to go away. She's been such an impactful character for fans and especially female fans and young female fans. I would love for Marvel to figure out a way to find the next generations of actors that can incarnate these characters and give this immortality to fans um, that they can keep coming back to. So that's cool. Um, She's obviously not, she's done with Gamora, which makes sense. I mean, Guardians of Galaxy 3 is the end of the trilogy. Um, You know, a lot of the Guardians characters are also leaving because of um, James Gunn. James Gunn is no longer with MCU. He's now with DC. Warner Brothers so but I think it's cool for her just to to at least outright say that you know they she she wants Gamora to stay stay alive and continue going throughout these movies but she's she's kind of over it which I think is fair I mean she's done a lot I believe also in there she says uh I went in for one and ended up doing 10 so that was kind of cool as in one movie ended up turning into 10 so you know good for her. She did a lot for that role and you know, I think Gamora's great. It's gonna be hard to recast though. I think that's that's a big qualm that I'm gonna have is if it's not perfect, I don't want it. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's how Marvel's gonna treat it and a lot of other fans are also gonna treat it. If if it's not done correctly then they're not interested. So hopefully the casting's done right if they decide to go with her idea and not kill off Gamora, but have a new Gamora. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is Agatha, Coven of Chaos, will have musical numbers. In an interview with a Hollywood reporter, Patty LuPone, stated that Agatha, Coven of Chaos, will have musical elements similar to WandaVision, also stating that their lead singer is Catherine, aka Agatha. So, excited to see how that goes. Um, I think that's, uh, I hope it's not too much musical numbers. I feel like WandaVision was, like, pretty solid with what, the, with what they did. So I would assume that they're going to kind of stick to that sort of structure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I'm excited for that. And Catherine also, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she sang in WandaVision. I mean, she crushed it. She's got a great voice. So why not? Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited for that. I'm excited to, for them to explore dark magic and the and. dark hold and, more of that information because as you know in our our previous episodes with dr strange 2 we we know enough about the dark hold to understand it but there's definitely more to it and i'm excited to see what else they're going to do with it and what else uh is done with it i guess i should say um another thing is uh it is confirmed that guardians of the galaxy 3 is going to have two count them one two after credit scenes So, you know, make sure to stick around until the lights come on in the theater. I'm sure you're probably not going to want to miss it. It being the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I am intrigued to see what the two end credit scenes are going to be because we've got, I mean, usually with after credit scenes, it usually ties into the next film. So I'm excited to see what that'll be, whether that's a a quick little snippet of a closure of a different character or... You know something happens in that movie, which ties into more Avengers-themed movies, and you we get to get a sneak peek on something like that. I'm definitely excited either way. Um, and an industry insider, I don't know who this person is. Obviously, I I'm getting all this from uh, you know different different websites and different uh, social media outposts and stuff like that. But a industry insider has claimed that Adam Driver has been offered the role as Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. I don't know how I feel about that, if I'm being honest. It would make sense. I mean, he's worked with Disney, obviously with Star Wars and everything like that, and he is a great actor. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it sucks that they threw away John Krasinski in The Doctor Strange 2 and just kind of got rid of him because in my opinion i mean that that for me was the perfect cast so with them not using him i don't know how to feel about it i obviously this is a this could be hearsay this is uh, this could be a rumor who knows and who even knows if adam driver is even going to accept the role but if he does i hope that they execute it correctly because i will say adam driver definitely he gives me a lot of like jake gyllenhaal vibes in the aspect that he very good at showing emotion and he definitely gets into his role but he does I. I mean they're gonna have to do something about his hair that's for sure because you know Reed Richards did not have long hair and Adam Driver does so I mean that's obviously one of the biggest qualms I'm gonna have but I do think it could be great so you know high hopes for that and I'm sure you guys have watched uh, there's a new Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer, or a clip, I should say, and I believe it's, it's titled, It's Good to Have Friends, where we see Rocket and, and three other animals that seem to be also tested on as similar to Rocket, and they're all talking about like what their names are going to be. And there's a talking otter, which she wants to be named Lila. Um, and then there's Teeths, which is a walrus, and then there's Floor, which is a bunny because she's laying on a floor. Um, but you'll notice in, in that clip and in, in that movie, if you guys got good ears, you'll, you've will you heard that voice before. And that is Linda Cardinelli. I hope I'm saying that right. I know I'm not. There's just no way. I'm just not good enough for that. But Linda, for she's which is actually uh, Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye's wife in, in the MCU. So... Cool to see that she's also landed a couple other roles, even though it's just voice acting. I mean it's I'm sure that, you know, these these other characters are gonna have a special part for Rocket's uh, Rocket's backstory. So I'm excited to see that. In that clip, um, I mean it looked beautiful and it was it was emotional. Especially not knowing what's gonna happen, but man do I have a hunch that is I, I feel like a lot of them are gonna die, but I definitely feel like Rocket's death is gonna hurt. So I don't know. I'm excited for that film. It comes out really soon. I should have written down what, uh, how many days are left. I believe it's like 11. We have like 11 days so that movie comes out. I'm going to go see it opening night. Um, I hope my co-host Gonzo also does that. So then maybe we can uh, try our best to give you a breakdown. Or maybe just our, our thoughts. Our takeaways from it. Uh, maybe we'll wait a week though. That way you guys can go watch it and there's no spoilers. That'll probably what we do. But Regardless, I'm excited. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Um, and last but definitely not least, Secret Invasion was rated 16 plus in the UK. I don't know if that's going to be the same thing for the US or other countries around the world, but I was able to find an article that stated that Secret Invasion has been rated 16 plus in the UK. I would assume it would be that would be it for everywhere else as well, uh, but I don't know if they have like stricter stricter cinema rules or not but that's exciting because one of my biggest qualms I have which I'm pretty sure I've stated in other episodes is that they since Disney took over there isn't a lot of brutality which I understand I mean brutality is not always needed but like Hulk is ripping people in half you know what I mean so (laughs) like I, I would like to see a little bit of something there to make it feel just even just a little bit harsher you know what I mean and and everything along those lines so I'm excited to see what Secret Invasion has in store for them to get that rating obviously there's going to be something in there if not the entire show that is a little bit darker themed whether that's you know more violence or whether it's more sexual or whether it's more the the language wise or, or what the case is but I'm I'm definitely excited for that as well. Not as excited as Guardians of Galaxy 3. I mean, come on. It's Guardians. But I'm excited to see what they do with that. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm gonna i gonna be honest with you guys. That that's what I got for you today. I hope that's good enough. You know? I, I believe next week we should have Gonzo, so you guys will be able to have his lovely voice back in here and all of his attractiveness. Sorry you guys were stuck for me this week, but you know, I did what I could for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be the end of the breakdown. It's going to be the end of the, the Watchers. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure you uh, like, comment, subscribe. It's all free. Follow the stream. It's free. Um, and, you know, just, just tell, us how, tell us if you guys are liking it. If you guys want us to cover a movie specifically, throw it down in the comment. Throw it down in the chat. You know, reach out to us. Let us know what's going on. Um, but for now, that's going to be it. This has been the Watchers. Peace.